six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Fantasy Football 101. I'm your host, Jake Rip, and you are listening to the 101 of Fantasy Football Podcasts. And now, please welcome the Timex wearing, spirit flying, Toyota riding, Woo! fantasy football ranking. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm having a hard time keeping these alligators on the ground. D Hall. All right, we got Donnie Hall back on Fantasy Football 101, and I wait all week to hear the infamous woo. Uh, let's hear it, Donnie. <laughs> I, I'm speechless. I don't even know how to react after that. That was uh, ear blistering, to say the least. That's what you came up with? Yes, sir. Today we're doing the AFC West, and we're going to get started with the Kansas City Chiefs and Mr. Pat Mahomes. Is he the undisputed, unquestioned QB1 in fantasy football? To me, he is, Jake. Just like we went and talked about in our AFC North episode, I think it's really a 1A, 1B this year, and I don't think it's that that close. You got Patrick Mahomes and you got Lamar Jackson, uh, and I think you can kind of throw four or five guys in a hat after that and, and pull one out. With that being said, I think Lamar Jackson's going to regress a little bit this year. I mean, like you said, the touchdown percentage that he had last year, the amount of red zone trips that they had, I just don't see that happening again. I say it's 1A, 1B, but I think he's a tier above Lamar Jackson, in my opinion. And we'll get into those reasons why when we get into his receivers. Now, Patrick Mahomes' current ADP is 302. Given he's your QB1, I'm curious, how early would you be willing to take him? If all the stars aligned and it was your time to draft a quarterback, I know typically you're not an early QB guy, but if I'm not. If, if Pat Mahomes falls in your lap, where does that have to be for you to pull the trigger? To me, it's got to be in the fourth round. Yeah, and, and, and you can keep dreaming because that's probably not going to happen. I know, I know. But, you know, it, or at the very end of the third, and I know I got a wraparound fourth coming. If that's possible, maybe. I just look at it like this, Jake. I got to get one of those stub receivers, and I got to get at least one running back somewhere. Pat Mahomes was the QB3 in average fantasy points per game in 2019. He was the QB5 weeks 1 through 6 and QB8 weeks 10 through 17. And for the first half of the season, you got to remember Tyreek Hill wasn't even active. Right, exactly. And that is so huge. Oh, for sure. For the whole offense. To, yes. I mean, as far as scoring points, even. Yep, yep. Uh, okay, so we don't have to go on too much about Pat Mahomes. He's my QB1 as well. I'd take him over Lamar Jackson. I feel like... just, just a taste, Jake, because we do have some two QB listeners on the show. Yeah. And we're both two, two QB guys. After, say, the big three at running back, if you're in a two QB league and you're at four, would you take him? Y- yeah, yeah, I think so. That's probably yeah, I right. Think, I think that... there's only two quarterbacks that are – uh, worth going in the first round of two QB or a super flex draft. I think that being Lamar Jackson and uh, Pat Mahomes. And I think that they're only separated maybe maybe three or four picks in a two QB league, which two QBs are 
you know, it values the quarterback way, 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 way more because you need two quarterbacks for every team. Yeah, you know what? In a two QB league or a super flex league, you're not going to get any weird looks from me if with the 101 you go Pat Mahomes. No, and, and you're not because you set yourself up. You got a monster. It's a lot, really. Yeah, and especially at the you know a lot of leagues in a two quarterback league, they even boost the value of a passing touchdown to five points instead of four. So that ups the value just that little bit as well. When I was going through these projections, putting together the numbers for this show today, uh, I, I got to the Chiefs and I started to chart out Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and I was gonna say some, I was gonna say some really cool stuff about uh, him compared to John. <laughs> All right, all right. I was going to compare him to Jonathan Taylor because Jonathan Taylor's college production was through the roof. And I had people I was going to compare to his size, his 5'7 stature. I was going to talk about how he's like Boston Scott and Chris Thompson and Devin Singletary and Deion Lewis. Throw it all out the door, baby. And then I got to Damian Williams, and I started typing up some good stuff about how uh, the running back coach, and I quote, said, just listening to the way Damien spoke about himself and the things we're going to do, he's going to improve. I think his maturity in this offense is going to be a huge bump this year. And I thought that was great, and I was going to slam you with it. And it was right about there where I got the update on my phone that Damien Williams is going to opt out of 2020 for COVID. Now, Jake, I will, I'm going to surprise you a little bit here. As pumped as I am, this is a bittersweet moment for me. Okay, so here's why this is bittersweet. I know know why this is bittersweet. Are you going to go to the fact that now his ADP is not going to sit where it was and it's about to skyrocket? Oh, it's sky. I mean, he's a first round pick now. I had that question queued up here. I was going to ask you and I quote, is he a first round pick? End of the first round pick. If I had the choice between him and Devontae Adams, I'm probably going him. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So for the people that aren't CEH believers, you guys are going to come crawling to our side and saying, yeah, he's going to get the workload. He's going to get the passing options. He's going to be on the field every single down, and he's going to get the goal line work. As pumped as I am, it sucks because I was a believer in CEH, and I didn't even think Damian Williams was even a question. Now, that takes – that takes you know, take him out, and he moves up legitimately 10 running back spots. I mean, he was a 14. Now I see him going as high as four. As high as four. Yeah. The fourth at, at running, the running back off at the, the running back position. Still the fourth running back off the board. So at I've that seen point, him as high as four or five already. Because we know McCaffrey and Barkley are locks for one and McCaffrey, two. McCaffrey, Barkley, uh, Zeke, and Kamara. Some people had him over Kamara. Oh, no. over Kamara and behind Cook. Not interested there. Four or five. I agree. That's the problem, Jake. I was so high on him, and I didn't think Damian Williams mattered even at be all. A factor, yeah. Me. And I was that much, you know, I believed in CEH. Now it's on record. It's go back, listen to the shows. It's on record. You've, you've yeah. been a CEH guy and, from the and start. That's the thing. So now I have to pay a first round price for him. I might have to be out at this point, Jake. Oh. I, and that's so sad to me because as much as I am, and don't get me wrong, if I'm at the end of the first round, beginning of the second round, he's there and I already got another ru- good running back or a guaranteed lock receiver, then sure. But at the first or second round, Jake, I need to know 100% what I'm getting. Mm-hmm. I can take a risk on a fourth or third round pick. I can't take a risk so much on a first or second round pick because you could, and, and it's a cliche in fantasy football, but you can never win your league with your first round draft pick, but you sure as hell could lose your league with your first round draft pick. 
I think the move for CEH and Dynasty was to sell him about five hours after the news broke because hype train was it, it settled down a tiny tiny bit. But when that yeah, news, but it's going to ramp back up for sure. Come come summertime and through you know into training camp season and stuff. Any right. thoughts on DeAndre Washington, who's now a chief? Any thoughts on Daryl Williams, who's still in the backfield? I I can't believe the CEH gets everything. He's not going to get everything, Jake, but he's going to get a lot. And we look at the past. Andy Reid has no problem riding one running back. No problem at all. You know, a rookie, a a small rookie coming in on a a COVID-impacted offseason. And that's the thing, Jake. I think it will because, you know, that offense is intricate. You have the best, you know, quarterback in the game. Oh, I don't Uh, doubt they can make it work. I just don't think that Andy Reid would do it. Let me say this, Jake. I think he's guaranteed, locked in. Top 10 running back. Sure. But I think the range of outcomes closer to 10 than closer to four, if that makes sense. But that being said, as much as I was all in on CEH, I'm like dipping my toe in the water now. I'm curious to know what you think about Tyreek Hill this year. Again, he missed some time last season, but his 16-game pace would have been 127 targets, 81 receptions, 1,228 yards, and 10 touchdowns. He's currently going at a wide receiver three price at the end of the first round. It's expensive, but probably worth it, in my opinion. When you have a top receiver, you want to know that you're getting 10 touchdowns, 11, 1,200 yards, right? Yeah. I think Tyreek Hill is a lock for that. His floor is so safe, Jake, because he's the number one option of the best quarterback in football. Oh, His floor is nice, but that ceiling. Oh, exactly. That's why you're getting him at a wide receiver three. And you know? that's the thing, Jake. I have him at two behind only Michael Thomas. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like that too. I like you know, that. I can't I can't argue with it. I just think that he's that steady. He's that rock solid. And at any time during the season, he can win you a week. He can go for that 220 and three touchdowns Yeah, in a second. And that's why he's so enticing to me. And he's in an offense where really the only other receiving threat or target threat to his production is the tight end, Travis Kelsey. Do you think McCole Hardman's going to start creating some more problems for defenses? Another guy on I that, do. I do. Another that's guy, who I wanted to bring up next. Another guy in that offense with four three wheels. I mean, that's scary for defenses. A Tyreek Hill lineup on one side, McCole Hardman on the other. Now, he only or he only finished as wide receiver 59 last season. He's going at a wide receiver 43 price right now. I'm not sure how I feel about it. I mean, that's, that's probably right. I, I would say that I feel like that's adequate. You look at him, Cole Hardman, he has the best quarterback. And and I'll say it again. I said it earlier. We both agree, Jake, that Pat Mahomes might be the best quarterback of our generation. Now, why can't McCole Hardman at a 4-3 speed he went to Georgia? He's very tough, very talented out of college. Why can't he explode just like Tyreek Hill did? And God forbid to the AFC and to anyone who doesn't have Pat Mahomes, if McCole Hardman figures it out, good luck. Good luck. You know what? I don't even know if it's a matter of him figuring it out because as an individual, he was pretty solid last year. Now, he only saw 41 targets. He was number one in fantasy points per target. That's ridiculous. Every time he was targeted, it was 2.7 fantasy points. He led all receivers in yards per reception with just under 21 yards per reception. But again, it's just that 41 targets. And that leads me to... is. McCole Hardman, even the wide receiver two in that offense? 
He is. Sammy Watkins. I don't even know if Sammy That's Watkins. That's the segue, baby. I don't even know if Sammy Watkins is going to be on this team come to, come to start. I mean, the dude's supposed to get paid like 20-something million this year, and he's trash. Wasn't he talking about holding out like at the beginning of the season? I can't remember. Well, yeah, or am I, I making that up? something about they were wanted to restructure his contract, and he was like, Or he no. was talking about just not playing football for the year. Yeah, it's some mess, and he's a goofball as it is. I if, don't think if he doesn't play, I feel like that would be huge for McCole Hardman. And then we have to talk oh, about yeah. McCole Hardman maybe is a top 30 guy. I agree. And to me, he's going to be fighting scraps with Demarcus Robinson. He was a daily fantasy darling, had, you know, six catches, 150 mm-hmm. yards, two touchdowns that no one even knew who he was. Right. You know, I'm not, I've never been a Sammy Watkins guy. I think he's gotten overpaid. How weird was his 2019 season? He came in. Do you, do you remember? He his had like one? 150 yards and three touchdowns his first game. Oh. My brother's sitting next to me in my parents' basement, like having a brain aneurysm. He was so pumped. Listen, 11 targets, nine receptions for 200 yards and three touchdowns. He was the Ridiculous. wide wide receiver one, 42.3 fantasy. And points. the next week, everyone had him as a top five receiver. And he didn't <laughs> do jack. He scored 38% of his fantasy points in week one. The re- oh my lord! From the for the rest of the season, weeks two through sixteen, he was the wide receiver seventy three. In that same game, Tyreek Hill goes down, and everyone's like holding their head, like, "Oh my god, yeah. you have a wide receiver five, top five wide receivers for the next five weeks." It was crazy. How about the real wide receiver two in that offense, Mister Travis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kelsey. Uh, I think we're in agreement here that he is the undisputed tight end one to pair with and the it, QB one, and it's not close. It's no, it's really, not close. It's not close. Careful. He jo- is jo- so much better than Travis Kittle. George. Sorry. George yeah. might be listening, man. Oh, Georgie. <laughs> no. You're going to uh, get blocked. Who's throwing George Kittle the ball? Jimmy Garoppolo. Who's throwing Travis Kelsey the ball? Pat Mahomes. How much of a difference is there? Oh, it's huge. But, I mean. You know me, Jake. I like receivers that have good quarterbacks. He's literally better than Gronk when Gronk was Gronk, right? Yeah. He's he's on a top five offense. He's got the best quarterback in the league, and he's the best tight end in the league. And he, the bust factor is a zero. Outside yeah. of him getting hurt, he is not busting, and it's not it's not going to happen. Since 2015, he's finished as the tight end seven, the tight end two, the tight end one, and the tight end one. That's exactly. bust. That's the definition of bust proof. If we had to put him as a wide receiver, Jake, he would be essentially a top fifteen receiver. Yeah, this is a guy who saw eight or more targets in 13 of 16 games. I always am cool with taking Travis Kelsey. Always. I never think it's a bad idea, except when he sneaks like towards the first round, like Gronk was doing a couple times. I'm not about that life. All right, before we move on to the Broncos, anyone else you want to touch on for Kansas City? No, I don't think there's anyone else. The only thing Harrison, I would say, Harrison Bucker. <laughs> Harrison Bucker, just quickly, quickly. On kickers, there's only a few kickers. If you have a chance to get them, get them. They're worth more than any other kicker, and that's uh, Justin Tucker or Harrison Bucker, kicker of the Kansas City Chiefs. Those are locked in top five kickers. If you have the, if you're going to reach for a kicker, I don't suggest it. If you're going to do it, take one of these two guys. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. But real quickly, Jake, do a scan, and this is a little. This is going to come out, you know, in a week or so. Do a scan if you're in a, um, if you are in a dynasty league. Do a scan for Daryl Williams. He might be out there, and he's worth picking up. 
Daryl Williams, didn't you just give me shit for bringing up Daryl Williams? He's trash. He's trash, <laughs> but he's worth a pickup in Dynasty. All right, all right. Can we go over the running backs that are available in Dynasty right now? They don't even have a heartbeat. <laughs> all right, all that being said, yeah, I agree. Daryl Williams is a fine pickup. Let's go to the Denver Broncos. That team underwent a huge makeover this offseason. Really a huge makeover that started midway through last season when Drew Locke took over. Do you think the Broncos can finish better than eight and eight? Ah, uh, boy, it is. Yeah, so it's much tough, right? Lock. I, I, it's, I think that's accurate. Eight and eight. I think that's accurate, yeah. Jake. God, Drew Locke has such an opportunity. Drew Locke reminds me, and it's obviously not the same pedigree. But do you remember a couple years ago, people saw flashes in Carson Wentz, and he kind of was a really, really late quarterback, and yeah. then boom, he was like top five quarterback. Drew Locke can do that. And this is the second year in the league. He has weapons all around him. They added a top, easily a top eight running back in the league in Melvin Gordon. They still have Phil Lindsay. They got receivers all over the place. I mean, he's going to be really good. Real quick, I just went on pff.com to look up some Drew Locke stats. Am I the only one who knows that Drew Locke, that's not his real name? No, Andrew Locke, maybe. No, Andrew's his middle name. His name is Paul Andrew Locke. Oh, I wouldn't want the name Paul either. All right, sorry, any Pauls who are listening. Well, listen, Paul has a bad thing in my name in my head because you, you're you making Paul are, sad. Me and Jake's age, the big show that was on Nickelodeon was oh uh, my goodness, Jimmy Neutron, and then at the end of the show, it had a little monkey go, "Hi, I'm Paul," <laughs> and that's why Paul's a messed up name in my head. That was completely off the rails. But what necessary. do you mean? It like it scared you? No, I just thought it was weird. It was a one-eyed monkey. While Drew Locke was active, through a 64% completion percentage, seven touchdowns, he was QB 24 during those weeks, and he's currently being drafted as the QB 21 in the early 14th, late 13th round. I think that's fair. I do too. I mean, their draft was really good. They bring in a, a really talented rookie wide receiver, and obviously Cortland Sutton. Sutton's a budding superstar there. They have a top 15 pick at tight end, and Noah Fant is there as well. They add Melvin Gordon. A lot is going for Drew Locke, and I think that's why his ADP pumped, bumped a little bit. If I, And he's a perfect quarterback in a 2QB league. I'm taking, I'd be cool with him as my second quarterback if I wait on quarterback because you got an upside in him. Yeah, I agree. And now I'm looking deeper to stats here. Uh, he actually would have had a really, really good completion percentage. Like, he was a really efficient passer with five games played. But in week 15 versus Kansas City, he threw 18 for 40, a 45% completion percentage. And that game, I remember, was in a blizzard. Like, ridiculous yep. throwing conditions that only Pat Mahomes can throw in. Right. Uh, ex excluding that game, though, he was a 70% passer. He would have been second in the league in completion percentage. That's not bad at all, and that's a good statistic, Jake. I think it's that, something, uh, right? Absolutely. I just think he's going to take a step forward. He has the weapons around him, you know. But we shall see. Yeah, and you said it. It's, I, I feel like that's what's most appealing about Drew Locke when you're drafting him. Like, I don't care so much for his talent. I think the completion percentage is cool, but that's. I mean, Derek Carr finished with. He finished second in the league. <laughs> that's so facts. Great comparison. You know, but like you said, he's got uh, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Noah Fant. Out of the backfield, with Lindsey now, he's got Melvin Gordon. Uh, yep. All these guys can catch passes. Don't forget about our super deep sleeper, Mr. Freeman. 
Oh, yes, yes. He is on our super deep sleeper list. Go back and check it out. Nice, Donnie. Nice. Got you. Uh, so we agree QB 21's fair for Drew Locke. If he's around there, I'd, I'd be cool taking him. Uh, we can move on to the running backs. Melvin Gordon, how much of that backfield do you think he's going to command right out of the gate? At least 65 to 70%. He's a super good passer out of the backfield. He's really good at running the ball, but they can't abandon Phil Lindsay. I mean, the guy was a pro bowler two years ago, Jake. He's very, very talented. You don't pay a guy $10 million to not give him the football, right? And especially at the running back position. The running back position, you just don't pay up for it anymore. You know, he's going to get the ball a lot. And he's another guy, like, if it breaks the right way for him, he could be, he could easily be a top five running back. Easily. Yeah. I don't, if, if, he stays, if he stays on the field, I feel like he's good for 10 touchdowns. Yeah. I think 10 touchdowns easily rushing. And I think he can get three or four receiving too. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. But he's had a problem staying on the field. 13 or less games played in three of five seasons. I do have Melvin Gordon has only reached the 1,000 rushing yard mark once in his five-year career. Isn't that kind of shocking? That is shocking, Jake. Well, like you were saying, I don't think Philip Lindsay is going to be phased out at all. In fact, I bet no. you he stays kind of relevant in the offense. Yeah. He finished as RB17 last season and is now going as RB43. I, yeah. I, I feel like he has a legit chance to crack the top 36. Yeah, I definitely think that uh, it's just... It's all about the target opportunity. And when Gordon goes down, inevitably, Philip Lindsay is going to become a huge value. I think this offense is going to score points this year. It all lies on Drew Locke. If Drew Locke is really good, that Denver offense, they could be like a super up-and-coming offense that could just explode and have pieces all over the place. So a perfect example, like the Rams offense when Jared Goff was going into a second year. Everyone thought he was good, and then boom, Jared Goff's really good. The running back's really good. Three of the receivers are really good. I think that that's in their range of outcome. Where are you comfortable taking Cortland Sutton as the wide receiver blank? 18. You guessed 18. He's currently going as the wide receiver 19, but last year finished as wide receiver 17. What I'm thinking as far as Cortland Sutton's ADP is that it's got to be Jerry Judy that's driving that price down. Big like, time. Cause Big Cor time. Cortland Sutton was a baller last year. He had 124 targets, 72 catches, 1,100 yards, and six touchdowns. Let's set that at, at an over-under. Uh, Over-under 124 targets for this season. I would say over. 72 receptions. Over, but not by much. I, had, I was going to say 80. 1,100. 12 yards down and six touchdowns slightly up. Okay. Okay. I, I think that all makes sense. I think, I think eight, I think he can get to eight. I think he can get to eight too. So this is interesting. Cortland Sutton was actually better when Emmanuel Sanders was in the lineup. Yep. When Emmanuel Sanders was around from weeks one through seven, Sutton was the wide receiver 12, but Sanders leaves the lineup and now he's the wide receiver 33. You'd think it would kind of be the other way around and he'd have more production as like the only guy in the offense. But I think you even mentioned earlier, there's something to more weapons in the offense taking the defense away from you. You know what I'm saying? So now Absolutely. Jerry Judy comes into the offense. This might not even necessarily be a bad thing for Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton is very similar to the Juju Smith-Schuster argument, right? You got a oh, top yeah. receiver, and he's a veteran guy that everyone knows and everyone thinks number one guy, Antonio Brown with Juju Smith-Schuster, and Emmanuel Sanders 
with Cortland Sutton. That takes the defenses away from him, and he had the secondary coverage. That's a, something to, to be said. I think that Jerry Judy is definitely going to help. The combination of Jerry Judy, I think no fans can take a step forward, and Melvin Gordon out of the backfield. I think it's just a whole mixture at him staying kind of right where he was at last year, wide receiver 17. But I don't think it's going to be up and down. I think it's going to kind of be real steady across the board at wide receiver 15 to 20. That's fair, yeah. Uh, speaking of Noah Fant, he finishes the tight end 16 last season, but he only really had two good games the whole year, two games with 100 yards and a touchdown. Those mm. games accounted for 43% of his total fantasy points, those two games. Right. And, Jake, here's the thing about rookie tight ends. They never really, really produce as no. a rookie. It, I think he's going to take a step up, and that is huge. It's interesting to note, though, for Noah Fant's value that, that – uh, Denver also drafted Drew Locke's Missouri teammate. Oh, this is going to be a tough pronunciation. Tight end Albert Okwagbanam. That ain't right. Close enough, Jake. O-K-W-U-E-G-B-U-N-A-M. Oh, my God. (laughs) But. I don't know. Something like that's worrisome to me. Uh, a guy who has chemistry with Drew Locke. They know each other already. Right. And, and and yeah, that's definitely something to be said. So with information like that, Jake, at a, at a late round tight end, he's one of those guys that I might, you know, put a little asterisk besides as that he has. That's one more thing going for him against him than like I say, like an Eric Ebron or some of the other guys down the list that have less going against him. Yeah, we know that, like the the athleticism and the talent isn't the question when talking about Absolutely. Noah Fan. It's the other options in the offense taking away from his target share. Now he's got tight end competition. Yeah, uh, and he's currently being valued as the tight end fourteen. Are you good with that? I mean, it's yeah, not, I at fourteen, yeah, he, yeah, it, I I'm fine with him at fourteen. There's really no risk at that point, right? Yeah, that's one of those um, pulled out of a hat tight ends. Exactly. He's amongst the guys like Noah Fant and Hawkinson, Eric Ebron, Jack Doyle, those type of guys. You know, I just think that uh, he's kind of just pulling him out of the hat. I think at 14, though, there's nothing wrong with taking someone there at 14. All right, let's move on to the Las Vegas Raiders. And I want to talk about Derek Carr. And since we just finished talking about the Denver Broncos, I'm going to ask you, would you rather have Derek Carr or Drew Locke? It's Drew Locke, and it's not close. No. Okay. It's not. It's not. Here's here's the reason why. We know what we're getting out of Derek Carr. Slightly Maybe. above average. Maybe we do, but the thing is— I don't, he, man. I just think he is what he is. Yeah. And, and they, they didn't bring in Marcus Mariota for no reason. That's true. Right? That's, that's worrisome. I just don't think he has the upside that Drew Locke has. I th- what's the max that we could see Derek Carr at? Why, quarterback 12? Maybe. Well, listen. And I think Drew Locke could be easily a top eight quarterback. Once upon a time, back in 2016, this guy was like in the MVP conversation. He took yeah, the Raiders. Yeah, and, to and who was his wide receivers? And it's a completely different regime, Jake. I don't know. Who give me that, don't give me that crap of 2015. Get Six, that out of here. 16, 2016. Whatever. Don't you That's just, four years ago. Just That's four years ago. The name of Derek Carr and his accomplishments. Who was the running back then? I don't know. You can know. even tell me. Exactly. So it doesn't it doesn't matter. It's a completely different regime. Amari Cooper was there. Uh, Michael Crabtree was there, who's now probably out of the league. Don't give me that crap. 
it's worth noting, and again, I said this with Drew Locke and his completion percentage, it would have been right there with Derek Carr. So I think they are comparable in that way. Derek Carr wasn't bad last year. He threw for just over 4,000 yards and 21 touchdowns, finished as the QB 17, but he's also going at a QB 28 price. So maybe a yep. bit undervalued. Sure. If I'm taking him as my third quarterback, I'll in a take QB it. That, league, that sounded so unenthusiastic. Sure. I mean, sure. I mean, yeah. if, what are we? What, we're splitting hairs at this point in quarterback at the end of the draft. The only time, the only thing Drew Mac, Drew Lo- or geez, I'm in. The only thing Derek Carr. Well, you about to say Drew McIntyre? Yes, I was. <laughs> I was going to say Drew McIntyre because you know my head's always on wrestling. But the only thing that matters for Derek Carr is that if he's in a two QB league, that's the only thing that matters. If you're not even smelling him in a one quarterback league, would you rather draft Derek Carr or Drew McIntyre? Give me Drew McIntyre. He's not getting sacked, bro. Uh, <laughs> all right. Oh, so, man. again, the thing is about Derek Carr and the offense, like, I feel like the whole thing improved around him. Last year, his best option yeah. in the receiving game was Darren Waller, who we'll get to in a minute. But yep. now he's going to have Henry Ruggs, the first wide receiver off the board in the draft, taken yep. in a stacked wide receiver class. Listen, Henry Ruggs, there's something to be said for that. But at the same time, I don't want my rookie wide receiver to be a, my number one wide receiver. And you know, Jake, yeah. I always say this. Rookie wide receivers aren't rookie running backs. It's very hard, especially in a time in a pandemic where they don't have the reps in practice. It's very hard for rookie wide receivers to produce. I don't see there enough being there to support Derek Carr. I just don't. Henry Ruggs is going as the wide receiver 49 right now. That seems a little low. I Well, I don't know, man. It's hard to say because, like, looking there's at that. There's so many receivers yeah, out there, Yeah, there's so man. many receivers. Exactly. I was going to say, looking at that blindly, it, you know, it seems low. Like, of course, I can see a world where he finishes as the 30. He can sneak right. his way into the upper 20s. I wouldn't be shocked, but. Right. I agree, man. I just think that, you know, if we want to use this as a segue, we can. I just think that Las Vegas now, it's Josh Jacobs' world. And we're all just living in it. Dude, I could not agree more. And you know what? I think I, I kind of like the guy. Do you think Josh Jacobs qualifies as a bell cow back? When you think of yes. a bell cow back, yes, good. I like that answer. Three like downs, answer. three downs. He plays all three downs. And he was a rookie last year, so he's adding to his game this year. Exactly, He could just man. get better, man. And he was the number one running back taken out of that draft class. You, I know you love draft capital, Jake. I do, I, am I do. so all in on Josh Jacobs. I think they're going to run the ball, play defense. Like I talked about before, they got Max Crosby, a stud defensive end. They, Josh, they are going to lean on Josh Jacobs a lot, and I think he's going to be a beast this year. Give me a guess where you think he finished in carries per game among running backs. Oh, boy. I'd say I'd say easily top eight, Jake. And Four, I'd say probably man. more toward – Four, baby. He was fourth overall in carries per game, 18.6. Wow. Josh Jacobs finished fourth in carries behind only Nick Chubb, Ezekiel Elliott, and Derrick Henry. That's wow. shocking as a rookie. Very. And like you said, they, you know he's going to take a step forward this year. He has to. He has to. He's a rookie running back. He's, he's going to be his second year in the league. He's going to know it better. He's going to know the offense better. You got everyone coming back. From last year, there's no overturn. John Gruden's in there. It's his second year in his system. They don't have the silliness of Antonio Brown going on at the beginning of the year. Everything's going to be focused on him. He's the guy. I just, I'm a big Josh Jacobs guy this year. And if he adds, you know, passing down role, uh, you know, as well as he's been so good at rushing the ball, boy, oh boy, is he going to be a stud. 
Yeah, he had five games last season with 100 or more yards, again, as a freaking rookie. But he only had one game with more than three targets. Uh, you kind right. of alluded to he's not used much in the passing game, and you expect him to take a step forward because he doesn't see much action in the passing game. Do you think he has a chance to finish where he's going right now as the RB13? Oh, absolutely. Yep, I agree with you. Uh, that, that actually seems like a pretty I have good as a spot. Top 10, I have him a top 10 running back nice. layup all year. I like that. And as a guy who has the fourth most carries in the NFL, it's hard not to, right? Absolutely. And he's going Touches outside the top and targets, count. baby. Touches and targets. We kind of jump back and forth between the receivers and the running backs. We already talked about Henry Ruggs. Let's go to Brian Edwards now. He is being undrafted right now in redraft. And you know what? You're shaking your head, but I think this guy has a chance. Drafted in the third round, South Carolina's all-time leader in receptions and receiving yards. A 17.4 breakout age. And his draft capital was tarnished by a knee injury that kept him out of the senior bowl and a broken foot from preparing for the combine. So he drops to round three. Gruden makes the right move, picks him up. And that's the Cinderella story of how Brian Edwards stole the wide receiver one job. What do you think? Nope. I, I appreciate the effort and all the statistics you put in there for me, Jake. But rookie wide receivers don't do jack they, in the NFL. That's all they have is rookie wide receivers. In Las Vegas, one of them has to do something by the law of nature in football. Ty Someone Williams. has to catch balls. Tyrell Williams. Williams is so done. He's going to have less targets than both of these guys. I could see them only throwing the ball maybe 20 times a game. You split that up against so amongst those two, the yeah, running yeah. backs and Waller. I mean, there's not much to go around. I think he should be drafted. That's all I'm saying. Nice sure. late pick. Uh, like, all right, thanks, Donnie. Appreciate that. Sure. No, sure. I'm saying he could be, yes. If you want to take him as your last round pick, does it really matter? No. So if you're beating on the desk and said he should be drafted, Jake, I'm with you, buddy. Do you think Hunter Renfro finishes higher than these guys? Not both of them, but I think he finishes higher than Edwards. Brian Edwards? Oh, that's, that's nonsense. Oh, come on, man. All right. I'm just giving you shit. Uh, and realistically, especially in PPR, I think Hunter Renfro could be money. 71 targets as a rookie. Yep. He did finish as the wide receiver 55 last season. Uh, not so great. But only three and games. He was another super sneaky sleeper. He was another super sneaky sleeper. Go back and check that one out. Uh, only three games over a 60% snap share and none over a 77% snap share. So, again, you know he's going to see the field more than that this year. Yep. And now you got uh, scary guys like Henry Ruggs coming up over the top of the defense. Brian Edwards yep. on the outside that you got to watch on. Um, I mean,. You got to pay attention to Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs. I think Hunter Renfro can carve out a role in that offense and really soak up a lot of targets in the slot. I think he could easily be easily be a really good wide receiver three in PPR. Easily, I could see him five catches, fifty yards; five catches, forty yards; six catches, fifty yards a game. And Ugh. if you're getting eleven points out of your wide receivers three spot, not bad. Yeah, okay. I mean, it, it doesn't sound great on paper when you put it that way. But on the other on the other side, I could also see nine targets, a 10-target game, back down to eight targets, a 10-target game, maybe not so many receptions, but I can see him really uh, accumulating his fa fantasy points with receptions. I agree. Even if the passing volume isn't there so much in the offense. I get what you're saying. You don't think they're going to throw much, but... But at the same time, he's running short routes to the... You know, I think the, his target completion percentage will be a lot higher. 
Yeah, that makes sense. And that complements Derek Carr's uh, high completion percentage very nicely. Correct. Let's go on to another guy who is in one of our recent episodes, overvalued players. That is Darren Waller being overvalued at the 603. Tight end five. No, thank you, sir. What do you say, Donnie? 100% agree. Pretty much IE. Go back and see our overvalued. I, I hammered him there. I'm not going to hammer him as bad here. I just think that the middle section of tight ends this year is a complete wasteland. The Hunter Henrys of the world, the Zach Ertz's of the world. The Zach the Darren- Ertz's of the world. What? You're gonna, you can't group him in with the Darren Wallers. I can, and I just did. There's there's no one else there's in that three, offense. Do we need to talk Eagles now? More, no, save that it, was, because I that have was some egregious. fire on the Eagles. That was a, you must think that the starting three quarterbacks are going to break their legs, and Zach Ertz no, plays one game. I think I think it, uh, just a little teaser, I think that team begins and ends with Miles Sanders this year. They're going to throw the ball, and they have nobody else. They have Jalen. We're not going to get into it. Save the fire. Okay, saving the fire, saving the fire, getting pumped up. Darren Waller, last season, finished as the tight end five. Again, we talked about all this on the last episode, overvalued players. But when he did so, his only target competition was Tyrell Williams and Hunter Renfro. That changes this year, even if the guys are rookies. And in games that Renfro was active last season, Waller only managed two top nine tight end weeks. A guy being right. valued as the tight end five. I don't see how it's going to happen. And on top of it, Jake, we both agreed that Josh Jacobs is going to take a step forward out of the backfield this year. Mm-hmm. Where does those pass catches are going to come from? This, you know, the mid-range game and the flat. And that's Darren Waller's game. And we haven't even talked about the other tight ends that are coming into the offense. Foster Moreau scored more touchdowns than Darren Waller last year. I don't know why it would be any different this year. I mean, it could have been a little fluky, but... Uh, just saying, yep. he's, he's a threat to his red zone production. And then Las Vegas signed Jason Witten, who was the tight end 11 in fantasy football last year, regardless of the fact that he's a bit old. I'm not saying either of these guys are superstars, but it's just more guys to take volume away from Darren Waller. There's no Absolutely. way he's going to finish to the tight end five. I'll die on that hill. I agree. Where do we have him finishing? Because I think we're both around the same. Tight end eight, nine. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I just did those rankings. Yeah, uh, I, that sounds about right. I, like As much as I want to shit on him, he's going to see some work. He's going to see some work, and he's going to finish as a top 10 tight end, guaranteed. But he's not worth where he's going at tight end five. Exactly. Again, that's his ceiling. That's the very right. best he can do if the rookies can't get acclimated to the offense and Hunter Renfro doesn't take a step forward and the other yeah, tight ends aren't a problem. He can finish as the tight end five. But why would you take that chance when you can grab Johnny Smith eight rounds later? Yeah, I 100% agree with you. Me and you are so, you know, as much as we disagree on guys like CEH, we are all in agreement on how we kind of view tight ends. I don't know what you're talking about, dude. I jumped onto that bus. You might be driving it, but I'm in the back seat of the CEH hype train. Don't even start. <laughs> I clowned you for 45 minutes last week. I don't even want to hear it. Get me out. Get out of here with that CEH. I am the originator of the CEH hype train. You might okay, fine. You built the train. You're driving the train, but I'm hiding in the back. Yeah, you know what that's called? A bandwagoner, not a true fan. JT is still going to be the 101. I'm not standing down from that take. In Dynasty, I would take him 101. Uh, this year in redraft, I'd probably take Ceh. I'd take Ceh. 
In Fair. Dynasty, though, he's the 101. I'll die on that hill. Let's go to the Los Angeles Chargers. I think this team's going to be a mess this year. Uh, when I charted out their, their season and uh, looked at the wins and losses, I came up with five wins and 11 losses. That's probably being generous. Yep. I think I had him at 3-13, and 4-12, and 12, something oh, like that. Oh, you know what? I'm, I'm sorry because I, I agree with you. I was looking at the, the 2019 season. They finished 5-11. and 11. I have them projected for 3-13. and 13. I thought that yeah. sounded like I was being too generous. Yeah. yeah, and Jake, you know, you just look at the other teams in that division. You know, they're not great. So, you know, maybe they get a couple wins there. I mean, but, the Chiefs are all right. Wow. Okay, but can they? Be, can you see them getting two wins from a combined four games of the Broncos and Raiders? Yeah, probably. So there's two wins there. So you know, it all depends on how they do the rest of the NFL. That being said, man, I agree. Tyrod Taylor isn't the answer for that offense. He's just not. I mean, the dude got beat out by Baker Mayfield. Yes, Baker was the number one overall pick, but that team was terrible, and they had no intentions of going anywhere, anyways. I don't think that Herbert's going to see the field. He shouldn't see the field, but he will see the field. I just hope it doesn't end up like Miami with Josh Rosen of a few years ago. So you think the best move for the Chargers is to play Tyrod Taylor all season? No Justin Herbert? Is that the move? I think that that's the move. Jake, I will die on the hill, and we'll keep saying that this episode. That'll be our theme. (laughs) I will die on the hill of quarterbacks taking a year before they come in. Yeah, sure, there's a few that worked out really good, but you looked at the recent Lamar Jackson took 80% of a year and then came in. Pat Mahomes took a whole year. Obviously, the the all-timer Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he took a whole year off behind Brett Favre. I just think that that is so much better for their development in a year that the COVID's running wild and they're not going to have full training camp. They're not going to have a preseason. That's just my take. I think that the, you know all those reps are really important. What do you think is the ceiling for Tyrod Taylor if he plays 16 games? Right at the back end, you know, towards the back end of a QB2 situation. That's the high end. But he could not really, you know, he could play three games. They put in Herbert, and then it's a back-and-forth hot potato game, much like the Dolphins last year. You don't think there's any chance he sneaks into the top 20? Uh, no. I, there's I a little bit he, of rushing upside there. I mean, there's... I said I said he can finish his 16. Oh, okay. I, I heard you wrong. Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, I, th- I think we've talked about the Chargers quarterbacks more than once and uh, kind of where we stand on that. Yep. Let's move on to Austin Eckler. This guy's a stud. He got me into some trouble on Twitter today. Did you follow that? I saw that. You had like, that was a pretty. Uh, I had the, all of Joe Mixon. A Mixon's, lot of tweets. Every Joe Mixon fan with a Twitter account. Fucking Tiffany's. Coming at me. Listen, all I'm saying is Austin Eckler needs to be drafted before Joe Mixon in redraft. I will die on that hill. I agree. And Jake, that's it. Joe Mixon where he's going right now. People think that that means you got to put Austin Eckler as what the running back eight. Yes. Thank you for clarifying that. So here's what I'm saying, Jake. We're not saying he needs to be drafted the running back eight, but I think that they're, that he's easily better than Joe Mixon around a running back 12. Yeah, so what you so, do at the end of the first round is you don't pick Joe Mixon. You wait until it comes back around. Some, some other sucker takes Joe Mixon, and you snag Austin Eckler and enjoy. And you have those two top players that you took in the first and second round. Or first round yes, and the end yes. of the second, and then come back around and get a high-profile player in the third. Can you believe just this guy's receiving stats from last season? 108 targets, 92 receptions. Just short of a thousand yards and eight touchdowns. That's a nice wide receiver line. That's great wide receiver. I mean, that's a top thirty receiver line, easily. 
And then you add on 132 attempts for 557 rushing yards and two touchdowns. Now, just- what's going to happen when he takes over the backfield, we assume, with Melvin Gordon leaving? I, I mean, I-, I feel like his ceiling's pretty high. And and the method of success for the Chargers this year is going to be play defense with Joey Bosa and uh, Hayward, who they had out all of last year. Their, their motto is going to play defense and run the football. Who's better to do that than Austin Eckler? In weeks one through four without Gordon, when Eckler was the guy in the backfield and the Chargers were totally comfortable using him in that way, he was the RB2 in half PPR as the only running back who was keeping pace with Christian McCaffrey. Wow, that's that's a stat right there. He scored all three of his rushing touchdowns in those weeks. So when Gordon came back, he didn't even have a shot at scoring anymore. They weren't using him in the red zone. He still hung in there after Gordon came back because weeks 5 through 17 with Gordon in the lineup, he's the RB8. Now, let's preference this, and this is where I think it's not even preference. I think it's helping his cause more. Where did he eat last year? What we just talked about was the receiving game, right? He ate in the receiving game last year. Why were they throwing the ball so much? Because Phillip Rivers was throwing so many interceptions last year. They were down in every game, and they were using him as a check down back. Now he's getting the check down work because they're still going to suck. They're not going to be good this year. He's getting the check down work, and on top of it, he's getting all the rushing work. So wheels up for uh, Austin Eckler especially. I am, Jake, I will build a bunker on that hill. I will die on that hill with you. Oh, you're dying there. I will go with you, my friend. <laughs> he finished number two in targets, number two in receptions, number two in receiving yards, all obviously to Christian McCaffrey. He saw more targets than Emmanuel Sanders, DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley, Stephon Diggs. Don't you yawn at me. <laughs> he finished the year as the RB6 despite giving the keys to the castle back to Melvin Gordon, but he's currently being drafted as the RB11. Uh, it, that's, at the be- that's still at the beginning of the second round. We have all those yep. running backs going off in the first. That's pretty sweet value, I think, is the 11th running back off the board, meaning, yeah, that could be your uh, your running back too, and that would be nasty. Right, so that's what I was just going to say. Say you drafted Dalvin Cook and come back in the middle of the second round and, and go Dalvin Cook, Austin oh, Eckler. everyone needs do that. If you're listening to this show, do that. That's the key I to mean, success. I mean, that's right incredible there. right there. If I'm starting off Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler, Boy, oh boy, am I looking good for the rest of the way. Yep, couldn't agree more, couldn't agree more. And you know what? He was pretty good on the ground, too. 4.8 career yards per attempt. Do you think Austin Eckler could be a candidate to go for 1,000 rushing and 1,000 receiving? Man, I don't see the rushing yards being there. I just don't. I just think that, yeah, he's good as a, you know, rushing, but they're not going to be in very many game situations where they're going to be pounding the rock four yards at a time. Which, in turn becomes nice for him in the passing game, especially with a Correct. rookie quarterback. I think, that, and I think he's definitely a lock for more rushing yard, or receiving yards than he is rushing yards. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Last season, he was just short of 1,000 receiving yards and uh, just under 600 rushing yards. I think those rushing yards go up just a smidge, like seven, seven or 800, and I think he gets to 1,000 yards receiving. They drafted Josh Kelly out of, I think it was UCLA, and Justin Jackson is still in the picture. Do you think either of these guys carve out a role, or do you think it's just going to be the Austin Eckler show? According to the Bud Light guru, Justin Jackson's something special. Oh, but that's, an- that's another thing for another day. I could see them maybe carving out a role, but there's just there's too much in front of them. I just think that Austin Eckler is going to do it all this year. And did you see the picture of him on Instagram? He is yoked 
up, dude. So any injury concerns, you know, I'm not as scared about it. Yeah, yeah, no, the guy is definitely putting in work this offseason. He's letting that be known. And, yeah, every picture is driving up that draft price like five picks. Yeah, the hype trains are rolling, baby. How about the wide receivers for the Chargers? Keenan Allen, tell me he's undervalued at his current ADP, 5'10", wide receiver 22. Last season he was wide receiver 12. Yeah, he's definitely undervalued. He's a guy that gets open. There's no, you know, Hunter Henry's there. But as far as this guy, he's a chain mover. He is a rookie quarterback or, uh, you know, even Tyrod Taylor. Uh, he's going to be their best friend. He's going to get peppered with targets, Jake. Tons and tons and tons of targets. I definitely see him finishing with 100 catches. Did you see Keenan Allen talking shit on Twitter? I did. I love it. I love it too, man. He he tweets, okay, I'm tired of biting my tongue. And then he tags Tyreek Hill, Mike Evans, and Chris yep. Godwin and said, and the list goes on, are not a better receiver than me. Faster than me every day of the week. But separation, child, please. I mean, he is the best route runner in the game. And then he also mistagged Chris Godwin and tagged at Chris Goodwin, whoever that is. Probably got a lot of followers. Even more disrespect. That is disrespectful, yes. But again, I like it. I like the uh, the tenacity. Last season, he was number five in targets, number two in receptions, and had 10 games with double-digit targets. So Keenan Allen, where would you rank him among wide receivers? I think he's easily top 16. You know, he's going to get the targets. He's consistent. Yeah, no Philip Rivers, but truth be told, Philip Rivers wasn't good last year. Keenan Allen saw 149 targets last season. Do you think he can come close to that this year with Tyrod Taylor and or Justin Herbert? Yes, I think that it definitely I think he could definitely uh get there. I think like I just said, I think he has over 100 catches for sure. Oh, I like that. That's right where he finished this year with 104 catches. So, if nothing really changes with his stat line, then somewhere in that late uh, wide receiver one conversation, early wide receiver two for Keenan Allen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And that's where he's always been. What about this Mike Williams guy? He's one of those dudes with that beautiful, ever so beautiful draft capital that just tanks. I don't even want know if I want to say tanks. I mean, he makes the most of his opportunity when he gets the ball. He makes these circus catches. I just saw a thread online of Mike Williams doing crazy things. It was taken with the 107 in the 2017 draft. The wide receiver two behind... Corey Davis, and John Ross was the wide receiver three in that draft. So uh, NFL really nailed it that year. Oh, my God. Is that terrible? He's he's Corey Davis 2.0, right? I mean, he's really Man, good. I don't know. I think that there's a chance that this guy might be a super, super, super deep sleeper. I don't think he's worth three supers. I think he's more of a two super over three super guy, Jake. But I can't I, I can't disagree with that fact. I like it a lot. So he saw 90 targets last season. I mean, that's pretty solid. I mean, he had 10 touchdowns last year, right? No, that was the year before, but I was getting to okay. that. Last year, he finished as the wide receiver 39 and only had two touchdowns. He had 49, wow. 49 catches and 1,000 yards, but only two touchdowns. The year before, he scored 10 touchdowns. So all I'm saying is you just take that receiving production from 2019, pair it with those touchdowns that he we know he's able to hit that 10 touchdown ceiling he's done it before you pair those two things in a season and you got a pretty solid uh pretty solid stat line out of one of your receivers a nice wide receiver two stat line that's a lot of mixing and moving man i just don't see it it's with, a between stretch. tyrod it's a... taylor and and uh tyrod taylor and herbert i just don't see it 
I understand. I understand. It's a reach, but I'm just saying. I I believe in the talent of Mike Williams. I've seen further reaches. I mean, if you're going to bet on someone like that, bet on a guy that has that draft capital. He's going in the 10th round, wide receiver 46. I feel like there you can take a stab at him, right? It's not going to kill you. If he's my wide receiver five, I'm cool with it or four. Fair enough. Last person on the Chargers before we wrap up the division is Hunter Henry, the tight end. Man, if this guy could stay healthy, he could be good. The story of every season with Hunter Henry. He's currently going as the tight end eight in the eighth round. He was the tight end six weeks six through 17 while healthy this season. Uh, where do you think he finishes this year among tight ends? Is he getting a better question? What's the over under for games played? I'll say 13. Man, you're a good odds maker, buddy. You I know. Go work for the Vegas. I like to make you think about it. I would say over. Just a lot of averages. I think that he's going to find a season where he plays a big big portion of the season. But this is this is all assuming a normal season, not a COVID season. So anything could be asterisked in this season as far as injuries and things of that nature. If he's able to pull off 16 games, what's the ceiling for Hunter Henry? Does he? Are we talking about him as a top three option there? I mean, why can't you? I sure. mean, he's got, you know, why can't you think of him as a top three option? Okay, so he's a guy that if I'm going to wait at tight end and wait to the back end, he'll be like the first one that I pick towards the back end of the tight ends. That I always talk about that, that middle class is terrible, but he's the first person on the lower class that I would I would take a shot at. Yeah, I feel like he needs to slide a little bit for me. If, if people are taking him in that Darren Waller, Tyler Higby area, it gets a little scary. But uh, if he falls and people are worried about the injury, yeah, maybe I'll take a stab at it because if he pulls off a 16-game season, I think he could be money. Absolutely. All right, that is it for the AFC West. D-Hall, it has been a freaking blast as always. Can't wait to do it again. I'll see you next week. Why don't you plug your show so we can go to sleep? I love it, JK. Real quick, guys, near falls with D-Hall, some fire coming out. I got the pit assistant uh, coach, Drew Headley, coming on, and I also uh, in talks with a national champion coming on, my first ever national champion. So really good stuff happening over at Near Falls D-Hall. Come check it out, guys. I think you'll like it. Come listen next episode to hear Donnie's next woo. Uh, I know it's what everyone listens for. It'll be there. It'll be ready. It'll be, It'll be beautiful. I promise you, and I was telling Jake at the beginning of the uh, episode, it may just be how I feel that day. Or it might be something I legit thought about that woo for three or four days. Turn down your volume pre-woo. Just a warning. Yes. Thank you, everybody. See you next episode. Peace. Later.